All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Sit and Kick Podcast. I'm your host, David Ribich. And I'm your better host, Josh Kerr. We have our second guest of season two today, and it's a pretty exciting one. It's one that we have may have trialed once or twice before in, in our early rookie podcasting days. And uh, she doesn't need any real introductions. You can introduce yourself, actually. To introduce Andrew. the entire podcast episode, so go ahead and... Um, Explain who you are and what we're going to talk about for the entire duration of this episode. All right. So my name's Ali Ostrander, um, alias Ali O. Uh, just kind of leave out the strander part. Uh, I run for Brooks Beast and kind of specialize in the steeplechase, although I also do 5 and 10K. Uh, and graduated from Boise State last summer. And on today's podcast, uh, we're going to talk about why New Mexico sucks <laughs> and um, and why the Mountain West is the best conference in the U.S. Yes, for Something sure. Like you can't and, forget the GNAC. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, what? Nothing. Josh, have you ever heard of that conference? I don't know. I, it's definitely not in Division One, so uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't pay attention to anything else. To be honest, Allie, it kind of sounds like you're going into an Alcohol Anonymous meeting. <laughs> um, I mean, in a way I am. Isn't that what this is for? You know, This is an intervention. So, <laughs> yeah, this is an intervention. With Josh Kerr. All right, here David Ribbage. Josh Kerr. David Ribbage. Josh Kerr's for real. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribbage. Yeah, so as Ali said, um, it's Ali Ostrander. Um, and we kind of just want to kick it off straight in with some questions from Josh and I. You know, Josh and I are really big fans. I remember being in high school and watching all the Flow Track documentaries and having posters um, and just like wanting to get them signed every time I got the chance to meet Ali O at like NXN or NXR. You know, I've just been idolizing her since um, forever. And so. I'm just I was a little bit different. You, you were the same. <laughs> I was different. I was I I went to meets when I came over here, and I was like, "That's the girl that is the reason that we're not winning so easily." So I was, you know, without racing, a very big rival. So I mean, I'm I'm not that happy that we're on the same team. I mean, it's the same when Dylan signed. I mean, you know, I was born to, I was born to hate you guys. You know, I was bred to hate you guys more like. I mean, I saw Alio on an infield in Willamette watching her sister run a steeplechase. And I remember talking with a friend like, oh, my God, look at that. That's Alio Strander. And we just sat there and uh, Did you fancy watched, her? watched. Well, I don't know if I fancied her. I think I had a girlfriend <laughs> at the time. But we definitely watched her from afar, which sounds pretty creepy. The typical Dave move. <laughs> I, we didn't say hi. I yeah, so... Her. In this extra time, you know, obviously we we've spoken about on um, on previous episodes here, which I know you've listened to all of them, Ali. So I don't need to keep you up to date. But um, we have this whole year, it looks like, to kind of not have any major championships and and kind of put ourselves in a in a great spot going into 2021, which will be the new Olympic year. So what are you doing in this time to, you know, take up your time and and get through a day and and you know put yourself in the best position for the Olympics next year? Uh, yeah, well. I think the the big thing for me is just that I'm trying to make sure that I'll be healthy leading into the Olympic year. And for that, for me, that means uh, taking care of just kind of a chronic Achilles issue that I've been dealing with. Uh, I, I was able to run through it, you know, for worlds and for indoors. But now that we had this like long stretch of time without races in front of us, I just wanted to take like an aggressive treatment option. Uh, and get it under control. So I got PRP, and that means that I'm going to be not running for six weeks, but uh, using that time to just do a lot of biking and watching Food Network. Um, so, yeah. And changing it, my old room into some sort of CrossFit with an <laughs> elliptical kind of area. I get it. Yeah, we've got an elliptical set up in your room. Uh yeah, so it's not fun. I mean, being like out of running and injured is always going to suck. But as far as timing goes, this is about the best timing I could hope for. So just trying to remind myself of that when I'm sitting on the bike, hating my life. 
So with the Olympics what being was... post—oh, gosh, Josh, I thought we rehearsed this. You ask a question, I ask six, you ask No, one. but I have so many questions, so let me go. Um, so it looked like you had a high mileage last week. What was that about on the bike? Uh, yeah, so uh, I have, like, I, I, like, a kind of obsessive personality. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I was telling Chris about this the other day, like, in college— I would get stressed out about tests and my coping mechanism for stress would be to over prepare. So I would just study for like 10 days straight for an exam and study for like, you know, 12, 15 hours for one test, like to the point where I could pretty much just recite like three chapters out loud. <laughs> um, and I guess I have kind of the same approach to cross training in that I'm a little stressed about like losing running fitness and not being where I was when I get back to running. And so my coping mechanism is to just cross train like a ridiculous amount. So that's been happening. Do you think that was in part um, why you got two elite 90 awards in college? Because you're obsessive uh, or because you think you're actually smart? I am always like conflicted about whether I'm actually smart or not because I know that I try really hard um but I also know people that try hard that don't get 4.0s so I don't know it's a mix Josh don't put your thumb up you didn't try at all <laughs> <laughs> did not try did not get 4.0 so, so what, was, what is the what did you call it the something 90 what what, explain what, what that is what is the elite 90 yeah do you are you asking because you don't know or are you asking I don't know expand? you don't know what the elite 90 is no. So the oh my gosh, Ali, this guy did, did he even did he even make it to a national <laughs> the championship? Material that comes out of New Mexico. Yeah, oh, I don't think New Mexico at all state, has ever heard it. heard of the elite ninety. State, best state school in existence. That's probably true. Um, <laughs> Tell me what this elite ninety is. The elite ninety award is it goes to the individual at the national championship that has the highest uh, cumulative GPA for that sport. At that championship so for indoor track and field ali received it and for cross country so she, in other words she was at the national championship and had the highest accumulative gpa out of all of her, of her competitors okay in college or high school this is college oh wow really no josh yes really so ali got it twice this is a thing how, do you not pay attention? get it you did not get it you probably didn't even get an honorable <laughs> mention they probably had to scroll so far down to try to find you, but they never did because I think it's a cutoff at like I don't know three point nine. <laughs> Didn't quite make it. You're there. a disgrace, so that's Josh. That's cool. Did, uh, yeah. did you ever get one, Dave? Did I ever get one? No, I know people that did. Exactly. I know one as well, Ali. Um, so that's pretty cool. So kind of stemming now off like you know college. it exists too. <laughs> Alio does exist as well. We know that. Um, stemming off the college conversation. Um, so you forewent or forewent or foregoed your um, final year of eligibility last year, last spring. Um, you would be a senior this year. And were you doing that previously to kind of prepare for a 2020 Olympic year? And now I'm sure you're probably grateful that you did postpone or you did forego your eligibility. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of last year, part of my decision was thinking that I wanted to give myself the best shot I could to perform well at the 2020 trials. And I thought that um, training with a professional group would help get me there. Um, but yeah, now looking back, I am super grateful that I decided to sign last summer because I would be in just a really weird situation right now. Uh, trying to decide whether to go for a sixth year or to sign in the midst of a pandemic. And I really feel for the uh, fifth years and seniors right now that are going through that, uh, just like, yeah, it would be a mess. Um, but overall, like, I think even having the Olympics one year later is maybe even better because a lot of the time, like the first year with the professional team is kind of an adjustment period. So I think it'll be advantageous to have another year to develop. No, I think most definitely, especially out of like um, Danny's training and things like that, it's always stemmed out of like a two year cycle. It seems like like the first year, this is like an adjustment year for the people on the team. And then the second year, they, they po really pop off. I mean, Josh's second year was six at Worlds. Is that right? Is that your second or first year? Uh, it was my first year, technically. 
gross. Okay, that never mind. He's, he's an exception. So you look at year was going to be the Olympics where he was going to win. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. everybody's story. But um, you look like <laughs> Henry. <laughs> Henry ran a 350 mile. Isaac got second at USA's. Drew got world silver. Like, so I I agree with you that like your second year going into 2021, I think you're going to be like in a better place than you are now. You were fourth USA's. Do we have to plug that every single episode? I don't it want to be the guy that gets. Like it. I don't want to be the guy that gets fourth at USA's, and that's what I'm remembered for. And that's oh, pretty much where I'm you know, at. We're just, we're just, we gotta pump your ego consistently. So Thanks, right now guys. that's the material we have to work with. <laughs> Dave is uh, known as Diva Dave on our team because every race week, um, Dave seems to pump himself up and have all this, you know, confidence and cockiness. So that when he arrives to practice, it's a nightmare to be around him because he thinks he's the biggest big time ever. Yeah. Um, but I'm the I hottest mother effer on the field, you know. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> out there. Like these guys are chumps, and they deserve to be chumps. And I'm not a chump. I'm a big guy, big dog. <laughs> That's Jeez. my. Now you've got your dinner out of the uh, oven, Ali. What, like, yeah. let's go back to that question, Dave. What, what we, what we saying? Yeah. So with like the extra year, um, and like the postponement of the games, does this change your preparation for the event then? Because you have the option of steepling. You're in a 5K at um, 2016 trials. Made the final. You have dabbled in 10K work and have crushed workouts. Like, where is your headspace for then 2021? Yeah, I guess I just, I'm taking it kind of as an opportunity to be able to explore other events. Like, I was hoping uh, that I could run, you know, a 10K and a 5K this summer and see how I felt in those. But now maybe I'll have the opportunity to run them in the fall, spring, and next summer. So, uh, I think it just gives me more time to kind of nail down what event I feel most comfortable in. Yeah, we talked especially about um, the women that were doubling back from the Olympic trials marathons, like Emily Sasan, Molly Huddle, and then their attempt to come back in the 10K with the postponement. And now obviously the Olympic trials for the marathon being over, does that change any of it? The fact that those two might be in contention for the 10K? Yeah, I think that that definitely changes uh, the 10K and even the 5K because it, it might push people away from the 10K. Uh, but I think in the end, like, it just it has to be a personal decision for me and not as much based off of competitors, but just kind of yeah. where I feel I'll be the most successful. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's the hardest team to make. The United States team is way yeah. harder than Great Britain. It's not going to be an easy event to make it in, so. Yeah, exactly. It's the best shot, not an easy shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, women's distance running in the U.S. is pretty phenomenal, to be honest. So there's, yeah, I, I wouldn't say there's an easy event to think about. So, I get it. I, I mean, you know, Dave says U.S. is one of the hardest teams to make. It is across the board. Maybe not in Dave's event, but it is what it is. So that's fine. Um. So like, it is weird to think that. You know, after your first, you know, senior world championships that you would then think, you know, let's change events. You know, like what what's kind of led you to that decision? Like, you know, you steepled all the way through college. You got you know, three NCAA titles out of it. Um, one of the most successful women steeplers in the NCAA. Like, did you ever feel comfortable with that event that it was going to be your be all end all event? Um, I still think that it could be. I just haven't like made a decision for that to be my focus. And I, I mean, I think female track athletes usually peak like late twenties, early thirties. And so I have a little bit of time to figure out like what I want to be running at the time that I'm peaking. Uh, and so I just, I don't want to nail myself to one event quite yet. That makes sense. I mean, how was the training difference between you know coming from college and then into Danny's training I know um one thing when because you when you signed you came straight onto camp with us uh or with me and Dave uh for for before worlds and I know there was conversations of you know the coaching changing from your college coach to Danny where it's like you know I don't normally run a run less than was eight or ten miles in a single run and you don't you know what I mean I, I remember you saying that and you like to cross train a lot like how was that transition into Danny's training? Um, 
Honestly, the transition went pretty well. I think like leading into Worlds, I didn't fully transition into Danny's training. It was kind of like a mix between what I had been doing before and what he would normally have his athletes do. Uh, just because he didn't want me to be like shocked by a bunch of new training and get tired or injured or whatever. Um, but now that I'm fully integrated into it, I really enjoy his training and the deliberate approach that he takes. I feel like there's a reason behind everything and he understands the reasoning um, and is like willing to explain it, which really appeals to me. Uh, and I mean, I have. I've enjoyed it for sure. And I also feel like he individualizes training a lot. Like for Josh, he knows he's a bit of a baby. So he has to give him like three mile doubles to be able to hit mileage. Whereas like me, you know, I just do it all in singles because I can handle it. Big dog. <laughs> um, so talking about um, not just your transition, but like when you're kind of not fully integrated in Danny's training in um, Albuquerque, when it was us three down there training for Worlds, not me, but you guys. <laughs> um, when so, whose programming was it that your cross train day was to hike a mountain? Because like, let me just tell the story for all the people that don't know, right? So, Allie texts me on a recovery day, and she goes, "Hey, do you want to go on a hike?" And I'm thinking, mm, "Do I need to comfort Josh for a five mile shakeout recovery run, or should I just split my focus and also help Allie um, so she can go on a hike?" I'm like, "All right, I'll just go with Allie because you know I don't know if she'll go on a hike without me." Who knows? It'd probably just be like a little hike up like a, a ridge line to get a good view of the sunset. She picks me up. She didn't have a backpack. She just had her tank top, her sunglasses. I was like, all right, cool. We're probably not going on that long of a hike. We park at the base of the Sandias. I'm like, all right, where, where are we going? She's like, oh, we're going to we're gonna hike the Sandias. We're going to hike the mountains. <laughs> and so we then proceed, and I say, okay, well, where where's your stuff? Like, do you have, like, sunscreen or a water bottle or food or anything? She's like, no. Just tucks in her tank top and her sports bra and starts hiking along as meanwhile I'm lathering on sunscreen I'm put, <laughs> putting my extra water bottle in my backpack I have a rain jacket a little med kit a little pocket knife in case we get stranded and <laughs> Allie's just walking up the trail and we proceed to keep walking and then the snake jumps out in between us she freaks <laughs> out I have a video on my phone from it but when we make it to the top in like almost three hours and then she's like oh well, that was a good good cross train hike how did you get do you walk that down uh no we we took the tram back down oh, but okay. i was scared um to sneak onto it so you we snuck paid onto it no we paid uh okay. Al ali was trying to say we'd be fine if we just got on but they were checking tickets so i was scared like what are they gonna do leave us up there <laughs> not on yeah. the way down they wouldn't i guess long story short for my story was it your training your co previous coach or danny's training for you to hike up the sandias uh, it was act actually Danny. He wrote on my day, it was like cross train or hike. And so I had the option to hike, which obviously I'd rather go up the Sandias than like spend an hour on the elliptical. So uh, that was my decision. My college coach actually was very against me hiking because, well, he knew my tendency to go on like three hour hikes. <laughs> Smart. Um, and so he, he generally did not encourage that. In fact, usually like the week of a big race, he would pull me into his office and be like, Allie, no extracurriculars, no hiking, no paddle boarding. <laughs> don't go outside. Just train and go home. <laughs> Normally coaches are like, are like, hey, don't go out. Don't go boozing. Don't, <laughs> don't go out partying or whatever. But he has to tell you not to cross train and do stupid stuff like that. Jesus, Allie. I mean, what's your, so uh, on a serious note, you do cross train um multiple times a week like what's uh, i know that you like to add mileage in that way like have you always done that is that something you did through college uh yeah so like boise state when i got there um was kind of what i would call like a high mileage program i think that they've moved away from the volume a little bit since then um not because of me but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the training log that I got before I went to college, it was like, if you're doing under 50 miles a week, you need to be cross training five days a week. And so I like took that pretty seriously. And I ended up running like 60 miles a week, which amounted to cross training like two or three times. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing that cross training. And then um I felt like it was pretty beneficial. And so since then, it's been like an integrated part of my training, just um, throwing in like three to four days of biking or elliptical to try to get some extra volume. 
What's the most ridiculous thing you've counted as mileage? Uh, I don't. I don't count cross training as mileage, really, and I don't count strides. Um, you what? and I don't, and I always count down. So like if I run ten point four, I count it as ten. Like you're, I, you're a I, psychopath. Because then later in the week I could maybe run more if I didn't count it. So okay, I that's, was, that's not how you do it. This is a weird <laughs> quote I got from Ali. I was like, um, some because sometimes I like to run quite early to kind of get it done. And she was like, why would you ever run early? Like running is like the best part of the day. So I liked it. Like if I had an ideal world, I'd run at 12 because it means like it would take up the most of my day. And I was like, what is wrong with you? Like I was like, let's get it up and get it done. And, you know, you know, you feel accomplished and stuff. But I feel like you're in love with running too much, to be honest, Allie. Uh, You know, like there are some days where you have to get up and get it done. You have other things that you need to do. But on days that I'm not busy, I want to make running like the main event of the day because like that's probably going to be the most exciting part of my day and the thing that I enjoy the most. And, yeah, I do love running. I think I should. I mean, I <laughs> I know for you it's just a paycheck, but for me it's so much more. <laughs> a big a big paycheck too. Oh, okay. right, we're cutting this part Huge out. Huge paycheck. Um, nine million a year. Nine, nine million dollars a year. <laughs> right, run happy. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, you got your first you, professional. Are wind you this red, year, Josh? Right? Josh, are you red? Oh, Dave, go and pick up your twelve hundred bucks from Donald Trump. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Milrose. I want to, like, you know, my first pro win was was big for me, and it, it did feel like a step in the right direction, knowing that I'm doing things right. I know that Dave will get there one day, but you got your first pro win this year, and that was it, you know, uh, Milrose. So, you know, how was that experience? And, you know, in such an amazing meet like Milrose, was it, you know, did you know you were going to win that race? Did you go in being like, you know, this could be the chance of my first professional win? Uh, I went into the race knowing that, like there was a chance that I could win, but I kind of have, I have that in my head most races. Like, you know, if things go right, I'm feeling good. There's a chance that I can win. And I, I was thinking that going into that race, but I wasn't necessarily expecting to win. Uh, and just like going into that last straight stretch and like knowing that I could do it, that I could actually get a win and then crossing the finish tape. It was like such a euphoric feeling. I, I was just so happy and, it really was amazing. Like, just it was a really good feeling, kind of like the first win in college, I guess, but on a larger scale. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, having it happen and at a meet like Milrose, where you know the fans are just like all up around you, and there's so much energy in the arena, it was extra special. Did you kind of ha- come down off of that strange in in terms of like? How did you bounce back from that? Because that was a week before USA's. Are you asking for me or for you coming off of USA's? <laughs> I'm not talking about my USA performance where I got fourth. I'm talking about your <laughs> USA. Did you know that he got fourth, Josh? Um, I don't know. I've never heard someone boast so much about being outside the medals in a, in a championship <laughs> before in my life. But, you know, that's that's, that's just Dave for you. Um. Well... So, uh, uh, so back to you. <laughs> um, so for Milrose though, cause like, I feel like in NCAA championships, when you have like that one thing that you're focusing on, or I guess at our level, like Olympic trials or, um, USA or UK champs that like you put so much energy and thought into that. And then once you come off of that, it's kind of like a, now what did you kind of have that at all out of Milrose or were you already like gearing up for the next race? Uh, I didn't really have that off of Milrose. I'd say, like, if anything, it kind of pumped me up and made me think, like, uh, that I had, like, a better chance to do well at USA's because USA's was obviously still the focus. Um, And so I was a little disappointed after USA's just feeling like I hadn't run my best or felt my best on that day and kind of, like, a lot of what-ifs going on on in my head after the race. Um. So, I mean, Milrose is definitely, like, the highlight of the season, even though it hadn't been the focus going in. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, it was such a weird year. And 
not having USA's to qualify for anything, you know, after a lot of people were just focusing on it and kind of circling that in their calendar a little bit, it was, it must have been kind of a weird USA's where, you know, the atmosphere was a little bit different where, you know, people were going to be peaking for it. And then you had people dropping out of USA's like, you know, the week before, you know, the week off and stuff, just because of those situations. Like I know that, um, did we not have a dropout for Carissa to run the mile as well? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, there are some people there, too, just dropping out for the second day. Like, they ran the first day and then decided that they weren't going to compete on the second day. Like, we, I don't, not, won't say names, but don't know the circumstance as well. But, I mean, it did take a lot away from that experience. I think that that meet just turned into just, like, almost another track meet with a really big name on it. Yeah. And then the people that, like, dropped out on the second day, no one got to take their spot. So that was, you know, oh, not really? great. Yeah. Yeah. Someone scratched the mile, so then Carissa got in. So Allie essentially scratched him off for no reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, Allie's pretty upset about it. <laughs> do you I have mean, any you, you ran the DMR mile in college. You at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any, like, running rivals or competitors that you just want to beat to a pulp? Uh, not that I'll mention on the podcast. I feel like it's better if they don't see it coming. Mm. Uh, Why is Yes, that's true. Is it New Mexico man? <laughs> is it me? Yeah, uh, just Josh. Do I think I could beat Dave over 10K? Um, I do not think that I could beat Dave over 10K. Um, you know, he keeps me pretty up to date on all of his good workouts that he has. <laughs> and so I'm pretty confident in his fitness right now. <laughs> So he phones you as well as me whenever he finishes oh a workout. Oh my gosh! What is this? Is this turning no. into like uh, a roast of David? Is that what this episode is? I yeah. think oh what every episode probably is. <laughs> it's story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. So I know that um, something a little bit new in your life would be is after we had those internships with Brooks, as you start thinking about going back to school online. So, like, what course would you do? Would it be something to do with your undergrad or? Uh, yeah, it would be related to my undergrad. So my undergrad was in uh, kinesiology with an emphasis on exercise science, uh, which I know that's a big word for you to take in, Josh. So yeah. it's oh, just, oh, you're going to roast me as well. I mean, Josh, what is kinesiology? Human body and movement. Yeah, uh, that. <laughs> but God, so uh, I... I really love the the science side of it, just like everything like that's going on in the body when you're exercising and how your body responds to different conditions and different types of fuel and macronutrients. And so I think I'd like to go into um, some sort of an exercise physiology or nutrition sort of program for a master's. But um, now with the Olympics moved a year, I think I'd probably wait until like the spring or fall of 2022 to start anything was that boost coming off your internship like we can go into internship in a little bit in a second but did did that kind of i know you were studying a lot for the work that you were doing for for brooks um did that kind of spark that you know i quite enjoyed the education that i was getting and quite enjoyed that structure of having you know something else to do except from running yeah i think that i really enjoy feeling like I'm learning and bettering myself in a non-athletic way. Uh, and so that's part of what I missed in college. And the internship kind of filled that for me. And after it was over, uh, I felt like I wasn't using my free time as productively as I had been. Uh, and I kind of missed that. Dave, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what the internship is and, and what Brooks offers in, you know, the fall of, of every year? Yeah, so um, Brooks is a pretty unique company to where we're regularly integrated into the decisions that the company of Brooks makes. Like, um, for instance, in the fall, our internships are um, an opportunity where we can go into the headquarters, into a department pretty much of our choosing um, and be with them for like a 10 week stint and learn and kind of go through the corporate, I guess, life, you could say, and get paid doing it. Um, And so... I interned in with like the social media department and public relations. So I was like helping out with like the Brooks running um, Instagram and social accounts while same time looking at publications and things that Brooks can get sent into where Josh, you were with accounting, correct? And you just, uh, I was a finance. Yeah. Finance. And then Ali, who were you with? 
I was with the biomechanics department. Yeah, so it's like we all three of us right here just have like a very wide variety of um, sections of the corporation that we were involved in. And not only are those internships like I feel like crucial for our development as athletes and people, but it also builds us relationships within the company. Um, and it's like we go into the company or we go into the uh, the headquarters for lunch and things at the bistro. And while we're there, I know I always see people that I worked internships with, as do you guys. And we can just see people that we know and have conversations like we're real people. It almost feels like when we go into the headquarters opposed to just being like be bop robots. <laughs> yeah, that was a big that was a big thing. <laughs> Bebo bop robots was um you know um I got explained to me was you know not only do they want us to be running for the company, they want us to you know be implemented in the company as much as possible, which is why we go and have lunch at the Brooks HQ as often as we can and, and try and integrate into the company as much as possible. And and you know a big thing was you know at the end of hopefully a very long career for all three of us if the only thing we have on our on our cv is that we ran for the last 10 years 12 years however long it is then you know that might not put us in the best stead for moving forward and getting a getting a job so you know they they give us this unique opportunity as well as you know getting paid on top of our regular paycheck to to go i didn't take that because i'm obviously not allowed to work but i uh, i just i mean i really enjoyed my time with finance and i learned a lot like what i'm learning in my mba now as well so it's you know it's a very unique opportunity that i think brooks is one of the only companies to do that and i don't think they advertise that enough where you know we are bettering ourselves um you know in the fall when we don't have races and we don't have like a massive heavy schedule to to deal with when we're when we're in seattle yeah we'll talk about the what ali's working on right now with footwear but it's also crazy too to add that like Two weeks ago, we were in a Zoom call, Josh and I, where like the entire footwear department for like the competitive spikes were like interviewing us athletes on the professional team of what we liked and didn't like about their product. And we could be blatantly honest and say, this is too hard. This lace didn't feel right or whatever. And the the footwear team would really like take it to heart and like try to redesign a shoe or design a shoe to like fit all of our needs. And the wire fives and the um, eliminates, the new eliminates are just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I feel like that's just in part because they are listening to the things that we have to say because we're the ones in the shoes. So, Ali, what like what was the whole spike debacle at Worlds and then kind of how like Brooks responded to that? Uh, so basically, Brooks doesn't make a steeple spike at the moment. Uh, so I was trying to wear the wire to steeple in, um, but it just didn't feel quite right. It wasn't tight enough fitting on my foot and I wasn't super confident in the spike and so Brooks agreed to let me run in my old spikes just covering up the logo Uh, but then after Worlds uh, since then I've been in I think four meetings uh, to help them design a steeple spike uh, for you know me or any other steeplers to wear and Uh, So we've gone through, I think, six prototypes where they've created like a spike, especially for my foot. They listen to my feedback, have me run in them, jump around, uh, test out the spike and the feel, and then they just modify it exactly how I said. And like the first prototype they gave me, I was already like, this is incredible. I love this spike. And since then, it's just gotten better. So I'm pretty stoked for the final product. What are you going to name it? Uh, well, we're not sure yet. Uh, they said that I could name it, so I've really? been brainstorming some ideas, but uh, nothing the final ribbage. yet. The <laughs> um, big bad. That up. was <laughs> the ribbage. That was actually my number one idea, and now you've <laughs> given it away. Ugh. What about this crusher? <laughs> With a K. Yes. Sit and kick podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little plug for you guys. <laughs> well, to be fair, like that that must have been like it was definitely for me was a, a big drawing factor was how much say we have in the products that we use for this company. And, you know, it's like Nick Simmons made the wire. You know, he was the first guy that, you know, w- was a massive name coming in as a Brooks athlete. And, and, you know, obviously you're working on a different spike there. So we, you know, I think we have what four different spikes, you know, we have, the sprint spike, the two middle distance spikes, and hopefully when your spike comes out, um, you know, two out of the four spikes were made specifically from athletes. So, you know, that's a pretty cool, you know, little thing that we have, you know, uh, as a company that we get that say in, in what we wear. Yeah, I I really enjoy how integrated we are in the company. I mean, we had those meetings um, just 
I think it just at the beginning of the year with uh, the clothing department and we gave them some feedback that like the shirts were too long and they've already released a few tops with like that are much shorter and like a better length for the general population that doesn't have like incredibly long torsos. So uh, it's, it's cool to see them like receiving feedback and using it. And that means that, you know, every person that's listening to this, if you think there's anything wrong with any products, just send it over to Alio and she'll sort it for you. That's pretty much what she's saying right yeah, here. She's the big time on the team. You know, Josh <laughs> came in, thought he was a big time. Then Alio signs out of Boise state and then bada bing, bada boom, she takes the top rank. So, um, yeah, you guys, any issues with, with shipping, if like a package shows up and it's not there and it says delivered, head over to Alio's uh, Instagram and, and DM her. Um, so on your so- on, t- on the conversation of your social media, um, you got into conversations and interviews kind of about like the body image and like the, um, what would you say, the, the broadcasting um, of some of the NCAA championships. I think you responded incredibly accurately and incredibly well and you represented yourself super well. And I think um I'll, I'll let you i'll let you talk about it i don't want to just spill my beans <laughs> about how i feel <laughs> yeah uh i would just say that i was pretty disappointed in the commentating at uh two of the three ncaa championships that i took part in for outdoor track just because a lot of the comments focused around my body or my appearance uh and very little on my performance or um, the stats I had going into the race or what my splits were or my form or anything like that, uh, which for me is a little bit insulting because obviously that's what I spend my time like honing in on, really focusing on. And I didn't go into the race wanting people to just pay attention to how I looked. I wanted them to care about what I was able to do on the track and, it's just that it's it's not that race or that moment that that sort of commenting happens. It's throughout all women's sports, which is pretty frustrating. Um, and I think part of it is just because of negligence on the part of commentators. They don't realize uh, the effect that their comments can have or uh, the impact that what they're saying has. So... Uh, that when I posted that on Instagram, my main goal was just to raise awareness and help them realize that what they were saying isn't necessarily productive and it doesn't help advance women's sports or make women feel good. I just think the response and the amount of people that commented and shared your story just shows how impactful like your words are and how much that needs to be talked about. So it's like I applaud you and I, and I agree and stand with you on everything that you said because it you're 100% right. And I think the community in the world agreed um, just because of how trendy I get or like trending that conversation got in, in that time period. Like did it take off faster than you thought it would? It did. Yeah. Um, I was pretty shocked by the response. I was nervous before I posted it just because I knew that it was a little bit controversial. Mm-hmm. Um but overall, like the amount of positive feedback that I got back and and just so many people sharing similar stories and similar frustrations, it, it definitely justified to me putting my thoughts out there. And I think that overall, it ended up being a really positive conversation. No, definitely. And do you think that having more female representation in the commentators in the NC Relay would, would help that as well as obviously you know, we've had male commentators in the NCAA for the last, what, 10 years. So, you know, maybe maybe a little switch up is, is something that's needed for, for this day and age. Yeah, and I, I also just think that the commentators need to be really prepared going into a race, like whether they're male or female, they need to have interesting things to say that don't revolve around the appearance of the athletes. Yeah, I do, I do definitely think that they need to come away from the appearance and more about the ability. I know Dave called me looking like a discus thrower um, before on a start line, but I'd like, I, I totally get that. And, and, you know, not all runners are made, you know, it's not a cookie cutter situation where, you know, every, every runner is going to look the same. So I don't, I just don't feel like it's something that needs to be pointed out anymore and it needs to be more focused on, 
you know who's winning the race and uh what kind of training they're doing beforehand and and more about like their ability rather than their their appearance so i i, I like that i think you know that that definitely was a big thing for i'm sure brooks as well as you know you're able to stand up for yourself and you're outspoken when things go wrong so i think that was a big drawing factor for why you have a big following and why you're so successful for you know and in, in your social media followers as well yeah and and like on top of that too like just in terms of preparation i mean like for you they could have just gone on and started talking about your elite 90 awards they could have talked about your mount marathon race championships your records at mount marathon they could talk about the anchorage daily news published on july 4th 2017 where it says the legend grows ali ostrander wins mount marathon title you know like i'm on your wikipedia page right now and if anyone needs to learn facts about you they can just click the 35 references on your wikipedia i mean like how much you pay your parents to write your Wikipedia page blows my mind because this is extensive. I mean, there's maybe 25 <laughs> accolades here. It dates all the way back to 2015. I can't even remember but what I did in 2015. Babe, I told you, she doesn't spend any money on anything that is not essential. She slept on the floor for, what, months? Just because, uh, you know, of, unnecessary of spending is not needed. You know what, though? Now I appreciate my bed so much more. <laughs> so it w- no. in the end, was such a good decision. That's true. Yeah, I mean, true. Ali, you and I are the same. We don't impulse buy something because we want it. You know, we don't put all the money down on something because we want it in that exact moment. We we take time um, to make decisions, especially when it comes financial. Um, and uh, so... <laughs> David. <just> what? <laughs> you... How many records did you buy when you went to the record store? Okay, well, for one, I, I didn't want I wasn't I was actually being serious. I was trying to reference and joke about Josh buying a car, but you're you're putting it back. But looking on me. back and Dave Dave bought a car and three iPhones within a week and still hasn't paid them off. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> I paid all of them off except my car and two of the iPhones, okay? Get off my back. All right, moving all on to the next one. <laughs> Moving on to the uh, banter bowl section, drum roll. That's my drum roll. Um, so, Allie, what was the worst part about um, living with Josh? Um, you know, I'd have to say one of the worst things about living with Josh was that about three months into him being in the house, he told me about how cool the vacuum was because that was the first time he had ever used it no and in uh, fact uh, right. his response to the vacuum makes me believe that he had never actually seen a vacuum in his life um, i'm sorry so, i'm sorry but fact, carissa's parents are millionaires then there you go Carissa's parents are millionaires and bought like a freaking $600 vacuum and it was the coolest Dyson I've ever seen in my life there's nothing wrong with that I will admit it's a cool vacuum but you you. should have discovered it sooner than three months into living here (laughs) (laughs) so what was the reason uh you pushed Josh out like how how did you push Josh out like what do you do uh I just like so I went into his room, I moved all his stuff out of the way, and I put an elliptigo in there. And then, like, he had no choice but to leave because I was just, I would elliptigo, like, all night so he could not <laughs> Were you the slight bit happy that Josh left so you could have peanut butter back in the house? Yes, I actually was, I bought peanut butter that same day. I miss my peanut butter when Josh is around. Get over it. <laughs> Um, what makes a Scottish man so dreamy? Um, <laughs> actually, since you bring up Scotland, I have a quick question for you, Josh. So I heard that you and Logan Reese were on the same East Is Scotland team yeah. for the U17 British Inner County Championships. <laughs> yeah. He, and you uh, guys the... won, correct? Yeah. And what happened to the team trophy? Oh, I still have that, actually. Oh. And did any of the yeah. other teams have the experience of holding that trophy or treasuring actually, it? Actually, let me rephrase it. I remember that now. Yeah, <laughs> I, won, I, I, I was in the top three, I think, um, in the race, and all my teammates were behind me. And there was obviously only one trophy for the British cross-country championships for the team. And there was four or five of us, and you know, we decided as a team that the person who was first in got the trophy. And then after six months, I would give it to someone else. And then, but no one cares about that. I mean, that was like what well, eight years so ago. We'll get over it. U17 
So you've had the trophy for six months times eight, nine? Something along those lines. Yeah. And I can't no believe you has had the trophy. I'm going to have to say. Trudy and Logan Reese. Logan Reese, big shout out. Dreamy mm-hmm. man. So what made you fall in love with the Scottish man? That's all I was trying to ask. Um, you know, it's got to be the the red hair, the pasty <laughs> skin. <laughs> Do they sleep in kilts? Uh, only sometimes. That makes sense. Yeah. Josh, oh, I can't the be- only thing, though, about Logan that's so great is his exceptional ability to play ping pong. Better than anyone else I've ever met. Specifically from Scotland as well? Better than anyone specifically yeah, from Scotland? Definitely Edinburgh? better than anyone I've met from Scotland, Edinburgh. Shame, I have never seen him at the Scottish ping pong championships, but that's fine. That's not part of the question. So Josh, um, you never let your teammates hang on to the trophy. You kept it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not on purpose, though. That, don't sound innocent. Don't, t- don't change your tone fluctuation as a communication major and try to <laughs> hit some semantics of just being sad. You're not sad. That's you know what me. you're doing. That's on me. I get it. I'm in the wrong. All right, Ali, this is a little bit um, on both of us, but Josh can ask the question because it sounds cool and it's definitely Scottish. Oh, um, you know how you did this? You know how Dave dragged you into doing some live wing challenge? Um, yeah. How was your ring sting for afterwards? Was it all right? Uh. Yeah, that was definitely not the worst part of the aftermath. <laughs> really? Well, <laughs> I'd say happened? the heartburn and just like the upset stomach were the worst. So I woke up at like 4 a.m. with extreme heartburn and like I could not lay down or it would just like flare up. So I had to stay seated in bed and then just Googled for like an hour whether <laughs> I could actually die from the bomb hot sauce. Consumption. So, <laughs> Ali, um, I also was up between those hours um and i couldn't lay down either like it was just burning it felt like someone was like twisting the insides of my body just like yes. with their fist yeah so ultimately i threw up <laughs> really okay so i never threw up so i guess that really does you, make me the champion you, you are the champion i threw up twice um, but it was miserable i know you asked ali that but i'm just giving you some comfort that you were not alone in this fight <laughs> yeah, so I figured I wasn't alone because I got a text from Dave at 3 a.m. You okay? <laughs> <laughs> I was Checking up on my partner. Up. <laughs> yeah, I said, you, I said, hey, babe, you up? <laughs> <laughs> you up. Uh, so you ran a 48.31 PR in the 300 meters. Uh, is this what led you to know that you could run the staple? This was in the 300 meter hurdles. Yes. Hurdles. Yes. Um, and I, I ran that in my sophomore or junior year of high school. Um, and from that moment forward, I just knew I'd be a steeplechaser. <laughs> uh, no, actually, the moment I knew I'd be a steeplechaser was in eighth grade at the Kenai Peninsula Borough Middle School Championships when I got From third in the 100 meter hurdles. <laughs> That's just did, phenomenal news. Did you share the team trophy um, at that competition, Allie? You know, um, I actually never even took my turn with the team trophy because I'm such a group team player. I wanted yes. everyone else to experience that joy instead of hogging it to myself for eight years. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, Dave's never had a trophy, so he doesn't know how that feels. But, I mean, I get it. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry. I apologize, Logan. I apologize, Robert. And I apologize, Aiden. You know, I... You don't I, even I, remember You didn't know the, the last guy's name? The fifth man's the most important. There, No, there's only four of us. Oh, there might be a fifth guy. Yeah, doesn't that's matter. how scoring works. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe you, not. You said it's so long ago, nobody remembers. But you just remember their names right off the top of your head. You obviously... That was probably the highlight of your running career, Josh. No, I just... I remember the photo of us. Um, but I don't remember the last person who was in there. That's going to be awkward. Um, but, yeah. I, get over it. Um, we have one last Bannerball question, which is... Who's your least favorite teammate? If you were to choose one, like, just, just off the top of your head, go. I can't. I can't do that. They they would be so upset, you know. Ooh. And plus, I can't. I can't single out a sing, a person in my head. I really like. Uh-huh. No one comes to mind when you say my least favorite teammate. 
Interesting. Who's your yeah, favorite? Least favorite? Least favorite roommate, Josh, who left oh. us and won't allow peanuts in the house. <laughs> Not Carissa when she plays her trumpet in the mornings. Oh, I love waking up to trumpet. Especially old trumpet. <laughs> the best. <laughs> well. But yeah, sure. Dave had a section um, in this podcast that he wrote down. He was really excited about it. But he forgot to say it, so that's yeah. on him. So I think that's going to be on me. Um, and, and I think we're just going to get a, a wrap. I think this episode's wrapping up naturally because Josh is falling asleep right now on the pod, and um, he's starting to accumulate dishes in front of him. Um, and it's and, sunset over here, so it's a little dark. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Ali slowly faded out of the, the image um, from the Skype call. So I think we're just at the natural end of the episode. Um we're all friends, so like this just felt more like a conversation than an interview. Um, most of the stuff that we talked about, we've talked about before just on runs, so it was nice to kind of express our our words and our conversations in a little bit more public of a platform um, like this on a podcast. Um, Allie, is there anything that like we didn't touch on or that you'd want to express or missed a banner question? Anything? Uh, no, I don't think so. Was this better than the first go-around? Actually, I do have one question. Josh, where's the trophy? It's back in the UK. I I wouldn't have brought it with me. It's not really that big a deal. I did forget about it. Um, but you can tell Logan that, you know, I do apologize, but I don't really understand why he's still thinking about it. Because it was six years ago, and it was not that big a deal at this point. <laughs> People that don't really care about team victories, it wouldn't be a big deal. Oh. That one hurts, huh? Dave, back me up. We spoke about this last episode. Back me up. Um, yeah, Josh, it's a touchy subject for Josh. I told Josh he was a bad teammate about his... Oh, because uh, the DMR leg where he shit the bed? Exactly. And that's how we're going to end the episode. <laughs> with, with, the, with the final roast of the Joshua Kerr. Um, so thanks, guys, for listening. Josh is flabbergasted. I'll continue to talk to close the silence out. Um, we thank everybody for listening to another episode of Sit and Kick Podcast with your host, uh, David Ribich, and your better host, Josh Kerr. Um, he is crying. Ali's enthused. I love it. Um, thank you, and good night from New York City. Boy! Bye, boys. Gotta go now. With Josh Kerr. All right, here, David Ribich. Josh Kerr. David Ribich. Josh Kerr's for real. Fastest C2, 1,500 meters. Josh Kerr on the outside. Way up front now is David Ribich.